Hey, hey, welcome back to Falling Out. As ever, I am your host, Elgin Strait, and I hope this isn't your first episode. I hope you've been listening to the previous episodes. I've gotten a ton of great feedback about the last two in particular. If you haven't listened to those, I would suggest going back and listening to them so that you know what I'm talking about. I think in in general, Season 2, Episode 5, entitled Gloriously, Logical Fallacies, it seemed to be a hit, quite frankly, and also seemed to open people's eyes to some things that they may not have been aware of previously, and also led to some interesting inbound messages. I'm just going to go through a little bit of those now, very briefly, and then I'll get right into this week's episode. Um, so someone wrote in to me uh, and told me about their experiences This is someone who grew up in the Moonies and wrote something like this. I was recently reading a Today's World article. Today's World was a Mooney publication outlining the misadventures of the wonderful true family. This Today's World article had a quote about Mother's course. Mother is referring to Hak Jahan, the woman gracefully referred to as the third banana in the previous episode because Moon married her only after two women who happened to be sisters, also happened to be rich, coincidentally, declined to marry him. And then he very quickly married this woman, Hak Jahan, who was 16 at the time, maybe even 15. And in this Today's World article, Moon describes how he had to find his bride in 1960, completely ignoring the others that he'd found in 1959. And then he describes how he had to more or less treat Hak Jahan like shit for seven years to, quote, raise her up. We were always taught of this seven-year course, as in us second generation were taught of it. But we were never told what it involved. And of course, now I realize that it was in fact Moon banging all the other ladies. In this same thread, I will continue. We were also taught in Korea that Moon was imprisoned because people started rumors of sexual infidelity when the young woman from Yuhua University would stay out late and not come home. And people couldn't believe it was because of their dedication to listen to Moon's speeches for hours and hours into the night. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say if your religious figure ever says that he's staying up late into the wee hours of the night and it's only with the females, he's probably banging them. Just a guess. This goes on. In 96, another church leader started teaching so-called Completed Testament Age Divine Principle, in which there was a lot about the women in the Bible having sex with other men in order to perpetuate the correct lineage. I actually remember some of this. Tamar, Rachel, and Leah, Elizabeth, and Mary, and it always involved the importance of heavenly deception to have sex. And I wondered why all this new doctrine was being added to the Divine Principles. But it was obviously to explain the facts that were coming out in the six Mary's books. And that is very interesting because that was in 96, the late 90s, when they were giving those lectures, which is coincidentally when that book was coming out. The Tragedy of the Six Marys and then the the website that goes along with it, which we went over in detail in the last episode. 
And I want to relate all this to this week's episode. So this week, I'm delighted to have Miss Enrica Christopher on the show. And I'm going to read a little bio of hers in a second, but Rika got in touch with me after listening to the last episode, and I think she kind of summed it up best when she said that at the end of the day, Sung Myung Moon started his career as a swindling sexual predator, a swindling con man, a swindling rapist who literally taught the gospel of tricking women into having sex with him. That's how Moon got started. And thank you, Rika, for putting it in such stark terms. I think it's possible to listen to the last episode and get caught up in some of the hilarity of the dick jokes that just keep coming at you. But then the cold hard truth hits you that, yes, Sun Young Moon got his start as a swindling sexual predator. So thank you, Rika, for pointing that out. And with that, I'm going to read a little bio of Rika, and then we're going to get on to the show. Rika Christopher currently lives in the Boston, Massachusetts area. She obtained a Master of Science degree in global mental health from King's College London and the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Her research has spanned from trauma research for the U.S. military to population health studies in South Africa. She recently started a new job working on mental health research with Boston's Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School, where she has been working on a project funded by the Department of Homeland Security to study best practices for reintegration and rehabilitation of individuals repatriated from formerly Islamic state-controlled territories. Her research includes cross-cultural adaptation and acculturative stressors in refugee populations, radicalization, and human trafficking prevention, and mental health resilience in conflict, post-conflict, and other humanitarian contexts. I should also mention that Rika has been working on research in the field of mental health for the last few years. And also, by the way, yes, she did grow up in the Unification Church. She is a so-called offering child. We're going to talk about that a lot. For those that don't know, it means her parents gave her away to another family, and we'll talk about the reasons why in this episode. And I think without further ado, I should get going with the interview. Here it is. Thank you, Rika, for getting involved. Yeah, yeah exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, all right, let's come back to that. We kind of yeah. we started at the end instead <laughs> of at the beginning. Um, uh, so let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, can you kind of just tell me like where you were born and what the, mm-hmm. what the, like when, where, Yeah. what I know, I know, I know, I know it's a, well, yeah, you have, you have a very interesting story. So yeah. I'm just going to like, like, I'm just going to shut up and like, just like, you. Yeah. so go for it. All right. Um, well, so I was what you call an offering child. Um, and I'm sure you've heard that term. I, I have, but can you yes. can you explain yeah, it? Yeah. So an offering child basically is what the so this is the way that I framed it in my head since before I could remember. And this is how I, I understood it is that you can't really get into heaven unless you have a kid, unless you have a family, right? Like you gotta be married, you gotta gotta have tons of kids. Um, very similar to Catholicism. Yeah. 
And yeah, so that's part of the unification church ideology yeah. is like you create this so-called ideal family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by being blessed in marriage by Reverend Moon and having these second generation kids. And then by virtue of having that family, mm-hmm. you are then able to, to go to heaven more or yeah. less. Yeah. And so families within the church who could not have kids, um, well, what are they going to do? Because they need to have not just a kid, but a second generation kid mm-hmm. with like, you know, the pure blood limit lineage. Is that what mm-hmm. they call it? Um, yep. So, so they would, um, there's, there's rumors that like couples were just told, I'm sure couples were just told to give up their kid um, to another couple who couldn't have a kid in the yeah. same area or something. Um, me in particular, I, my, um, I, my adoption was within family and within church. So it's a little more interesting. Okay. So my mom had joined, I, I don't know when she joined, but she was young, like probably younger than me, 20, early twenties. Um, and she managed to get both her brother and her sister to join as well. Okay. Wow. So that was both of her siblings. So basically like so all the whole, yeah, all yeah the whole yeah. gang. um over in japan and um and she was brought to the u.s you know as a missionary and um she was matched to my dad i think they got married in that big one in 80 early 80s yeah eight madison square garden probably yeah yeah i'm pretty sure it was that one i think it was Um, 83 84 so and my dad's side of the family he has two brothers but neither of them joined okay He's the middle child of two brothers. Um, and sorry, when I say dad, I mean adoptive dad and adoptive mom. So like the people that oh. I grew up with, because my okay. mom asked her sister okay. um, if she could have the next child because she couldn't have kids okay. with my dad. So my biological mom gave me to my aunt, her sister. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so just so just to be really clear. Yeah, so yeah. when you say your dad is Italian, that's your biological dad. My biological. Yeah. So not, by blood, I by, am half Italian. Got it. Half, okay. Half Japanese. Okay. And then by adoption. Yes. I guess half Japanese and, and what's the other half of the couple? Uh, he's, I mean, he's American, but his okay. mom was Guatemalan Jewish and his okay. dad was like German, I think. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I feel I, like I need a family tree to, to, yeah. <laughs> to guide me you through do. this. <laughs> you do. Um, so my, my birth mother, she had had, she had five kids in total, all girls. Um, okay. So, and they live over on the West coast. Um, Where, and what number were you? Were you like the last one? I, or I like... was the middle child. I the say, I joke, okay. yeah, I joke that okay. I have middle child syndrome all the time. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> It's funny, actually, now that I think about it, I think my mom was the middle child. Oh, no, my mom was the oldest. Never mind. My dad was the middle child, though. But um, okay. yeah, so she had two two girls before me. She had me. And that was when, I guess, before, I don't even know when before, but like before I was born, my okay. mom asked. Okay, um, so it was like, it was like something that was decided before yes. you were born. Yes. Was it, it now was, was it before you were conceived? Do you know I that? I have no idea. Okay, because I, I might have been 
I mean, yeah, because I do. Th- I think for some of these so-called yeah. offering children, that's how it was. They would yeah. like go to Maybe the family and be like, them. "Can you please like, oh gosh, you know, conceive and give us a yeah. kid?" Basically, yeah. it's um, that's just and sometimes that, another layer. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes they were people were coerced as well, as you as you said. Like I, I you know, I've heard stories of, of like course. you know, of Kore- Korean leaders being like, "You need to go have a kid and give yeah. it to them." Yeah. And in some cases, you need to have a kid and give it to me. Yeah, is is yeah. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, and I mean coercion, manipulation in the situation like this, it doesn't take that much, you know. No, um, no, and and also like the as far as I remember, the parents who who gave up a kid mm-hmm. were sort of were considered like heroes yes. in the church. They they yes. were like you know placed yeah. on a pedestal of for making course. great sacrifice for the yes. sake of. of the movement. I mean, it's a big deal, you know. You don't just give up your kid. It's a, like, could you imagine, like, just <laughs> handing your kid over to somebody? No fucking way. Absolutely not. It's yeah. like, I mean, yes, in my situation, it wasn't a stranger, yeah. but still, it's like, yeah, but, but that's that's a rarity, to be honest. Yeah. For yeah, most is, of these it situations, it's not. There's no blood relation at all mm-hmm, between mm-hmm. between the families. Yeah, yeah. And so I grew up being told this. You know, like the reason for it was because your mom couldn't have kids. Um, and honestly, like I when I from when I could start thinking more abstractly and like you know forming things together in my head more critically a little yeah. bit. And uh, since then, I was like, wait a minute, like. I mean, this was back when I was like, you know, when I was living in West Virginia, like five, six, seven, Wait, eight. So where, where were you born? What, what I was year sorry. You, I was born yeah. over on the West Coast, Oregon. Okay. okay. Um, they, I was flown to Virginia, McLean, Virginia, where okay. um, Moon had a house. Yeah. Yeah. That that mansion. It was called the Jefferson House. Actually. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, I have a, I have a hilarious story. Well, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you about it. Yeah. No, no, I've tell there. me. I've been there. So I remember, uh, so I grew up in the DC area as well, but yeah, yeah. I just remember, um, yeah, so every now and then, like, the so just so people know, it's like this mansion in like yeah. the, in like the Virginia suburbs of DC. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's like basically there for when the moons are in DC, effectively, like, like the moon family. And his kids, yeah. And his kids, yeah. It was yeah. his kids, like, playground, sort of. Yeah, okay, okay. Um. Uh, so when I this would have been in probably the 90s maybe late late early early 90s um, okay. I just I remember my parents kind of told me um they were like okay we're, we're gonna like Moon and his wife or is it, I think no men have only been his wife I don't know but it was like the true parents uh are gonna be at Jefferson House mm-hmm. um and uh we need to go and see them in the like in the middle of the night basically um yeah. so we drove there to just from the suburbs of Maryland to the suburbs of Virginia um and we just parked outside of this house at like three in the morning um and we just waited for hours basically like people weren't going in to see them it like like, I don't think they they, it wasn't one of those things where they were having a speech inside the house um it was like but a crowd of church members had gone just to get a glimpse of the so-called messiah and his wife and so me i'm sure my sister must have been there as well Uh, and and i think my one of my parents surely but maybe both of them we like we drove there and we just waited we wore our like sunday finest we waited in the middle of the night (laughs) 
And then when, when they were, I think they were leaving at like five or six in the morning to go catch a flight or something like that, Moon and his wife. So we were sitting there from like three, four in the morning. We wait an hour or two at like five or six. I remember it's still dark out. Um, We get out of our car and a whole bunch of other like families get out of their cars (laughs) and we just form these like uniform rows um, between the house and the, like the car that the moons are going to go to. And we just stand there. And this is like a suburban (laughs) <laughs> it was a fucking <laughs> suburban you know neighborhood yeah and we're just standing there in a little no- like waiting for these people to walk by and then there's kind of like a big sort of like flurry of activity and they're, they they kind of walk by with their entourage and we have to like do a full bow to yeah, them yeah as they're as they're walking uh-huh. they go in their car and they leave and that was it and oh. that was why my ass was woken up at you know, you know <laughs> right. three in the morning to go j- yeah. just to do that and I just I, to this day I still think like what did the fucking neighbors think <laughs> about because there were probably like 50 people standing on the lawn just waiting just yeah, waiting to yeah, see these people yeah. so yeah what wait how old were you when you were there so I was there from birth till three um and okay. I remember some things about it actually there was like a okay. big swimming pool in the back okay. Um, my parents were the caretakers. So like okay. my mom had to clean full time. Yeah. That was her job. Okay. Um, the lived there. The oh. Mr. and Mr. The... Can you, can you, the... Sure. I, I don't totally, there's some sort of Korean leader mm-hmm. friends with moon. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess like he like gave them the house to like, just stay in all the time. Cause they live there full time. Okay. And um, from what my dad told me, like that Mrs. He got along great with them. He yeah. had to like take care of the grounds and stuff, but he also worked at the Washington Times at the time. Okay. okay. Um and he they liked him. They Mrs. apparently wanted like a shopping buddy, and my mom didn't feel comfortable doing that because she was like, Oh no, I have to clean the house for okay. the Messiah. Um <laughs> so so Mrs apparently like in the beginning she didn't want to like my dad and she wanted to be friends with my mom but then when she like realized that my mom wasn't like gonna be her shopping buddy then like she became friends with my dad more and then eventually like (laughs) it's just like it's like a sitcom eventually they like ousted my parents because I don't know they wanted some like younger couple like a second gen couple to like get in there or something like that and like apparently they were like just sort of like did this like pulled the rug out from under them like my dad me. Yeah, yeah my dad didn't totally see it coming but yeah I think somebody somehow he got tipped off okay to the idea and so he found out before they told him and okay. so he started like a, a while before they told him because like okay. apparently this was in the works for a while and so he was like fuck it he was always very good with his money so that is right. one well, thing that I'm like, good for you. Like, yeah. at least you did not give away like, you know, half or whatever of your, yeah. your salary. Um, so he immediately was like, well, fuck, like I need to do something, you know, like I need to, you know, give myself like a plan B. So he bought a bit of land in West Virginia, super cheap. Back okay. then, yeah. Had a house built on it. And then when it was almost complete, that's when he was like, Hey, like, I know you guys are, getting somebody new in oh wow okay so yeah so he was he was playing the long yeah the long game so, with that. Nice. <laughs> so um so then we moved over to west virginia um but and sorry I, I, there's just actually one yeah. thing i just want to clarify just so people know mm-hmm. so the people that you mentioned the, the 
family. Um, mm-hmm. um, yes, they were like, like, um, you know, up there with, you know, in, in the upper echelons of the church leadership, right. uh, like right next to, to moon. Um, but they also, as far as I know, um, the dad in that family, he was like one of the top dogs at the Washington times. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my dad worked for the times too. That and it was sense. like, like Mr. Was like a yeah. big deal, okay. uh, both in the church and in the Washington times where, well, yeah, yeah where my dad worked and, and your dad worked yeah, yeah. as well. Um, the kids used to come all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I was really little, cause like, I mean, this was before three, but so I just remember bits and pieces, but like he would always bring me up into this one room that they had upstairs and it was like the kids toy room, I guess. Okay. Like, so it only had toys. It was just a room for the kids to have toys. And there was this giant like horse, like, you know, one of those like, like little kid horses, like on yeah. a, one of those carnival things, rides or whatever. And my dad would always bring me up there and put me on it. I was like, wow, like these kids have some really nice stuff, you know? Wow. Yeah. They were, I know they were well off as a result yes. of stature yeah, in the church. Yeah, the yeah. Um, so yeah, my parents were, were relatively like close, I guess, to like his kids, like his moon's kids would come over. One of them named me. I, um, named you? Named me. Oh, named, named you. My name. Yes. <laughs> Oh, wait, yes. one of Moon's kids named you? Yeah, yeah. Which one? One of the the gins. One of the young gins. There's like four. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down much. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of them. Wait. <laughs> Don't they all have Jin in their name? Hyunjins. One of the Hyunjin. Oh, one of the Hyun. Okay, so there's yeah. like Hyunjin, Hyunjin. It was Hyunjin, yeah. but he would he would have died before before then. Okay. So so it was either Hyunjin or Hyungjin. You think you think it was one of those? Yeah, Dude. I don't think it's the gun one. I don't okay because that's Hyungjin. I hope not. That oh man, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Jesus Christ, man! I hope not. I mean, the other guy's also a fucking asshole. I, know, <laughs> I don't know, but gun the gun one's worse. The gun the gun one's worse. Um, holy shit so one of those assholes gave you your yeah, name yeah and wait well so what what name did they give you it's it's enrica is my full name so okay. it's like you take the h off so my dad's name's henry yeah you take the h off of that and it's enry and then my yeah. mom's name's katsuko you take the ka from that okay and you stick it to the enry and then you get enrica okay yeah okay all right that's not too like I, I mean it's better than a random Korean name. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would say, and it's actually like so. My name, my name is like a combination of the letters in my parents' names as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they've told me that they came up with that on their own, <laughs> but it's very suspicious the fact, the fact <laughs> that, that you, you you had a very similar treatment from some you know one of Moon's family. So I don't know. I was told that it was a big thing in the 80s so I'll just be like okay it was just a fad yeah um yeah but and then and then I go by Rika now I uh that's my alter ego that I assumed starting in like eighth grade yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah so so I went from there to West Virginia and this was like like rural West Virginia all right right. um I mean most of West Virginia is rural yes anyway (laughs) West Virginia have you ever been there I've been there loads of times oh yeah yeah. it's it's something else um I'm glad that um I have moved on from there yeah 
but yeah so so from there I think that's when um you know we were having that's when I really remember anything to do with the church because we would occasionally go down to the almost every Sunday I think we'd go down actually to DC to go to church from West Virginia you would drive to DC it was like two hours yeah yeah that's a long drive so every Sunday yeah we would do that drive um, whoa almost and I remember you know so from a really young age like I remember we would have to do the pledge on like Sundays and wake up super early and I was not having it I was this little brat and I was like and you know this was always a point of contention between my parents because like I was the only child Mm. um and my dad was like you know I was a daddy's girl growing up and like my dad was just he did spoil me he was he was like oh you doted on me and my mom's like you're spoiling her too much you know like like she needs to learn or like what so they would they would fight about that a lot and like one of the main things was that I did not want to stay awake for the pledge Mm. I would do my bows because you know how you have to do like those whatever 10 bows like recite the thing in korean and then Mm. i would like go in the corner and like crawl into the corner and like go to sleep Mm. and my dad let me and my mom was always like she was always mad about this um (laughs) so and i was just and then sunday school in on sundays at the dc church like i was such a daddy's girl i didn't want to leave like i didn't (laughs) i didn't want to go to sunday school with the other kids because i just wanted to like sit in my dad's lap the whole time while he was at like the sunday service he was at the sunday service upstairs like a nap with him and like um and because he would like carry me around (laughs) and so i never really like went to the sunday school services and yeah and like you know i was recently diagnosed with adhd and i think part of me is like oh like did that kind of save me when i was like that young because Mm. i remember like on one of the previous episodes, somebody's, I think it was Akina, she was like, you know, like, I would just, like, stare at the ceiling tiles and, like, count them, yeah. and, like, I literally remember doing things like that, like, yeah. I was just bored, and I, like, tuned out everything, and I yeah. was like, I don't want to deal with this, um, the few times that I did tune in, it was, like, something ridiculous, like, um, of course it was, like, everything's fucking <laughs> ridiculous, something like, ridiculous. Yeah. like yeah. do you even remember, hearing that moon say one time like how oh like heterosexuality is like i mean i'm paraphrasing obviously but like heterosexuality obviously has to be the norm because like we don't have um homosexual animals like animals don't act in any homosexual way they like basically mate for life with one partner i was like i don't remember how young i was but i remember like tuning in at that point and being like wait a minute i don't think that's true like probably like some i don't even know seven year old or something like probably learned in school that it wasn't true yeah i I had no conception of what the animal how that worked in the animal world at that at that age um but i do remember him just always making these profession just these grand pronouncements of this that or the other and like they're just all this shit's it's just like patently false (laughs) like all you had to do is like you know look look something up like actually no that's not right yeah um but yeah, he made he made pronouncements like that all the fucking time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! And he just he just, he only yeah. thought he was so fucking clever. Uh, <laughs> he fucking wasn't. He's just, he's just an asshole. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, and obviously, like, I I mean, I think as an adult, it's like, well, yeah, of course, like animals, they 
animals are animals there's so many different you know like yeah that there can be types of animals that mate for life but then there's like so many others and like for some reason I had that in my head um but yeah so so I so it was that it was um the fact that I knew you know that like okay like my parents had my birth parents I was adopted because of like basically I was a ticket to heaven you know because and like you know I started really questioning that from from when I was in West Virginia and I think I think a lot of the catalyst for that is like my mom was not somebody who should have ever been a mother Mm. and she um she was very abusive okay and she was very violent and um and it's like why ask for a kid if you're not going to be nice to them yeah you know and and it was like because you know like I I grew up not really ever really liking my mom Mm. um because she she was very you know there were times when we got along but you know I she would be she would always put the church first of course so whenever we'd go and like constantly be visiting different churches remember there was that like period where we're supposed to like go and go to other churches and like witness yeah yeah you were like meant to try and convert the other churches exactly so like I remember her just like leaving me in just the most random places like alone and I'm like why am I sitting in a parking lot and like a car by myself whoa yeah (laughs) for like hours and so she would leave you in the car while she was at the church yes 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 yes, among other things or like just wandering around a church you know like like so many times i could have gotten like kidnapped you know like from um there was that there was just like um i i think you know like i really got this feeling that she didn't like me and it's one thing I think to, I mean, I don't think it's right to hit a kid for any reason. It's one thing when like a parents are doing it for punishment because a lot of mm. our parents grew up that way. Yeah. And it was, it was that, yes, of course. But I think at the point that I realized that my mother is doing this for fun, like Whoa. she was hurting me for her own enjoyment when I did nothing wrong. That's when I was like, oh man, this person does not want kids did not want kids will never want kids and she's not meant to be a mother and why ask for a child if you are not 100 percent into it you know yeah. and like wait, what so is the how, point how old were you when you came to that realization um i would say probably about six seven holy shit old. yeah fuck yeah. i mean that's a brutal thing for anyone to learn um, but especially at that age damn and like and it's not even like so I don't want to paint like my West Virginia years as like terrible because the thing was that I had tons of friends I went to public school like Mm. I you know I would go to the birthday parties I was an only child my dad doted on me he was constantly at work he wouldn't come back till after midnight so it's like I almost never saw him but was he commuting to DC every day to work for Washington Times he was commuting from West Virginia yes an hour and a half to two hours a day i mean luckily not during rush hour so he went around noon so in the morning before school like he would be there he would go around noon and then come back way after midnight so holy fuck yeah (laughs) jesus christ yeah Yeah. so so i never really saw too much of my dad except for the weekends and so like i think he and trying to like make up for that would just buy me shit yeah like just constantly like whatever i wanted you would just buy me shit yeah 
and it was easy to do because he was better with his money than a lot of the other members and mm-hmm. i was the only child you know like obviously yeah. that's gonna happen yeah. and then of course that just makes my mom more mad because she's like you're spoiling her you know you're mm-hmm. buying her all these things like you never get mad at her um but i i really liked my life there i was okay. really happy i had friends i had best friends like you know, I was doing gymnastics, I was playing piano, like I was doing mm. well in school, like it was, it was a good life for me, you know, okay. and Interesting. I never even really felt there was obviously no other kids around in the church. Yeah, I think that's, that's important just for the context, yes. like there's no yes. church families. No. I remember there yes. was one, well, there were one or two church families in West Virginia that, but Here probably nowhere sure. near you. Um, I think the name was... I would meet them occasionally, but yeah. it'd be like once every other month for a barbecue or yeah, something. Yeah, that's like kind that, of, you know? that's the impression yes. that I got of West Virginia was it's because like, it's yes. a big state, very spread uh-huh. out, like just a constellation of people that might exactly. see each other every couple months. Yeah. And, and so for, I remember for a time being then, like my dad was also like the leader of West Virginia. Okay. So he you know, like this hierarchy within the church yeah. that I, I, I very much recognize now that that offered me a sort of privilege and a sort of okay. protection and that, okay. you know, having parents that were of a sort sort of like upper echelon yeah. of, you know, the church hierarchy among members, especially is, was something that gave me like an advantage yeah. um, in sort of being sheltered from a lot of like the worst aspects of yeah. it. Um, and so I, um, let's see, where was I? I, oh, I Actually, never really, yeah, go ahead. So I just, there's a question I wanted to ask earlier. Yeah. I just like, when you're talking about all this, like your adoptive mother's attitude mm-hmm. towards you, mm-hmm. um, where, if at all was your, were your birth parents and in, in any of this? Yeah, they live, so they lived across the U S yeah. so obviously we only so. got to see them once in a while, yeah. um, which was pretty often actually almost yeah. once a year. Okay. Um, because my mom was constantly, constantly going to Champion, like all the time. Okay. Um, she was, Whoa. yeah. So like, and I remember being pulled out of school, preschool, especially, but you know, especially like my first few, like kindergarten and definitely into like first, second grade, I remember being pulled yeah. out of school for like weeks, you know, and being like, oh, like, can she get her packets, like her packets to do the work? And then we'll give them to you after the break. Cause it was usually centered around a break. So we take like, okay. before and after, um, so that my mom could go to Champyang and take me. And then on the way, we would go to Japan because her parents live there. And I would, I would either like, I would stay with them either. And like, they would just take care of me or I go with her to Chumpyong as like this four, five, six, seven year old. Oh, wow. So I grew up going there a lot. Well, okay. And we, um, I'm trying to, so wait, how, how old are you now? And when were you born? I am 28. I was born in 1993. Okay. All right. That's what, okay. That's, I'm trying to like piece this together. Cause when I was, so I was born in 81. So when, when I was like four five, six, Chung Kung didn't even exist. It was like yeah, a figment no. in moons, do in you, moon's imagination. Basically. Do you remember yeah. when it was like, just like tarps on the ground? I was fucking was there. All, 
dirt and it was like, there in 94 in 94 yes, when i was on the golf everything program. was dirt yeah. everything was like and they covered it with these blue tarps so that like people wouldn't like you know get stuck in the mud and like yeah. it was the foundations or like they spaced out where they wanted to build things yeah 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 so i remember that all the way up until you know 20 early 2000s okay all right yeah okay. and um okay actually so one of my one of my earlier memories and i think this is this also you know played into all of what the fuck is going on here yeah in my head um one of my earlier memories i must have been five or six um and you know like i my mom i remember like being left in champion in different places like my mom was never around and like there were all these like you know so many people would just like be like oh there's a kid we should just take care of her until her mm. mom like shows up um i remember um <laughs> this is an aside but do you remember the milk tasting weird why was the, the milk, milk in so korea weird? tastes really fucking weird <laughs> i know what you're I know exactly what you're talking about and i can taste it right now and it has a funny smell um uh, I, I know I, I noticed it the first time I went to Korea and every every other time what is it about the milk yes, I, yes. I want someone in the in, in, in the audience tell me what happened to the milk in Korea because it fucking tastes weird I remember yeah so I remember you know like getting you know, lining up to get like the breakfast lunches or dinners and stuff and if you miss the time then you would like not get your food um I remember one of my earliest memories from there was walking into the Ansu room okay and this boy was being held down on some sort of like makeshift table or something like it was like a raised up platform or whatever in the Ansu hall mm-hmm. and there were probably about like 10 adults all around him okay and so i just want to pause there mm-hmm. just just to explain what the onsu hall is for people who don't yeah, know yeah onsu hall is a it's like it's a big it's a big room kind of like a tent revival type of like you can fit a few hundred people there yeah. in, in that room they have a stage with a big drum and you they have these onsu sessions where there's someone's hitting, hitting the drum um uh singing songs and there's like a couple hundred people maybe more than that in in a room uh all beating each other basically to the yeah. to the rhythm of the drum and this is meant to 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 release evil spirits from the bodies of the people that you're beating um and yeah i just want to paint a picture of where yeah. this this room that yeah. you're talking about sorry i couldn't continue um, no yeah no actually honestly it was not until i listened to hey nam's episode and mm. when he like he said it he he said it without sugarcoating it without like you know he he said what it was for what it was and it was not until then that I was like, oh, like, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, he did see the same things that I saw. Like, yeah. this isn't something that I just made up in my head. Like, yeah. this actually happened. Yeah. So, and so yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. What so, did you see? So, I walked in. This kid is being, there's, like, about 10 adults around him. Most, most of them, I think all of them were women. And he was being held down by some being slapped and beaten by all of them and he was screaming like kicking and screaming and thrashing and like he he wanted out he did not enjoy it and I remember walking by with my mom and being like hey like what is happening like why are they doing that to him and I remember her answering me and going 
oh, he must have been a bad boy. Like, he must have done something bad because they need to beat the spirits out of him, the bad spirits, so he'll be good again. And I think I knew, like, I felt, obviously, I felt something was wrong because why why else would I question it and be like, what's happening over there? Um, But obviously, you know, like, I'm a, what, six five six yeah like i just listen to whatever my mom yeah you just accept what your parents tell you at that age and yeah and i'm pretty sure i was younger than seven to to be honest and so all of this just sort of you know is building up throughout my early early childhood um how many times would you say you went to jump down throughout (sighs) the course of your childhood Throughout the course of my childhood, like okay, let's just say up until the age of ten, and then we can we can do the, the next age decade of later. Ten, well, because I stopped going after eleven, like after eleven. Okay, so, so let's think, say between yeah, yeah birth and eleven. How many times? Okay, did you um, two dozen, three dozen. Holy shit! And for each time, like how many days? Um, not so. Not each each time wasn't very long. So in the beginning, you know, when it was just like. Um, when we would have to fly over there, then probably like a week, two weeks or something okay. like that, Yeah. Um, you know, to get more out of your trip. But then yeah. once we moved to Korea, like, oh, uh, weekends, yeah. anytime yeah, there's a break for the, weekend. Yeah. for the day, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so because oh, it was so close to GOP. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I have been there quite a lot. Holy and, shit. Yeah. Um, you know, but like growing up in West Virginia, I I did not really because there were so few kids around there. I didn't yeah. realize that it was sort of like a, I guess a taboo thing. Um, yeah. So whenever like my friends would come over to my house and they'd be like, "Who are those people on your wall?" and I'd be like, "Oh, like that's just like the people that my parents, you know, like the religion that they believe in." And like it wasn't really, I didn't really understand that it was like weird. Like it was that it was like a weird that, thing it was weird in society you know like even if I knew that some of these practices were like that's child abuse that's not right yeah um I didn't totally understand that this was like so out of the norm yeah that's okay that's interesting I feel like I had I kind of had a conception at an early age like Mm -hmm. but it was it was like we do this this way because we're so special and we have this like this special truth but like you know other Mm -hmm. people aren't going to understand but so obviously it was like couched in the terms of the of the cult but there was a I was kind of encouraged to have this awareness that like other people Mm -hmm. might think this shit is kind of weird Mm -hmm. basically yeah I um (laughs) do you remember when your parents had to like unwrap every little candy and like prick them with a needle point or so my parents never did that but someone was talking to me about that recently I forget who I was who I was talking to it's so funny I remember that they would like pinprick each little little candy with like a needle point of wine and like hand them out to people and i would just be like here's some candy you know like my yeah. cute five-year-old self like yeah. was that was so weird and just so people know <laughs> who are listening um so the church had this conception that you had to consume the holy wine to become blasted to and become grafted onto reverend moon's lineage and then they, they started trying to like claim that they could like convert the whole world to becoming part of this lineage and by do, one of the, the, the method of doing so was to hold was to hand out candy for free on the side of the road or on, on the streets uh, and to put like a, a drop of the holy wine into those candies using this pinprick method that uh, Rika has just described. <laughs> uh, I, I don't ever remember doing that myself, but I remember hearing yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> grew up with like a lot of 
what I see now as child neglect, um, child abuse, very clearly. Um, And obviously that's going to color you. I think I, I didn't actively turn against the church until um, my dad announced that we were moving to Korea. Um, okay. This was when I was around nine. Okay. Can I just, I, 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 mm-hmm. I, want, I want to pause there and come back to that, but there's one okay. piece of the earlier story that I want to, yeah. that I want to ask. Um, were your, like, the, what, what's the legal status of your adoption or what, what did, were you legally adopted by your yes. parents? And was that yes. that's allowed by the state? Yes, it was legal. So I was okay. legally adopted. Okay. I think it was finalized when I was around two or three. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, one of my first passports still has my old name on it. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I wonder if you know them. The... I don't know. You don't. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, I, I think they're pretty well known, okay. you know, family over on the West Coast. Okay. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, like I grew up going over there, you know, at least once a year and like yeah. talking, you know, like we, we were told, I was always told, you know, like you have sisters, yeah. like you're adopted. Like it wasn't ever like hidden from me. So I would mm-hmm. go and like hang out with them. You know, we'd go on vacation over there. We'd yeah. see them once in a while. Um, yeah. And we got along, you know, in the beginning, because obviously you're all just like a bunch of kids. Yeah. Um, and we were all very like close in age as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I did have somewhat of a relationship with okay. them. Okay. Um, and it was sort of like, I guess, sort of like the relationship you would have with your aunt and your cousins okay. or your okay. uncles. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and are you still close with them? Um, I sort of? am in contact with them, you know, okay. and it's, I think it's something that's always going to be strained. Yeah. You know? um, they know I'm out. They. Okay. Oh, and they're still in. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, okay. They that's very that's, much that's gonna add and add its own layer of, of <laughs> oh, stress. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there's actually something. Okay, I want to come back to the Korea thing, but, yeah. but on this this offering title thing, there's a couple yeah. a couple questions come to mind. Mm-hmm. One, a couple points I want to make. So number one is the reason I asked the the, the question of if if, it's, if it was legal is because I know in some countries it's basically illegal yeah. to do that, and it's yeah. been um so it's been done like clandestinely, like under the table, nothing, nothing legal, legal about it. Basically, I think yeah. in, in England, that's the case. Um, so I, I know that. And I also know, um, I mean, I'm glad your parents were, were upfront and honest about it, but, but I, I have to say, like, I've been contacted by people uh, since launching this podcast who basically said, look, like I, they're like, I have a sibling mm-hmm. who is an offering child but they don't know that they're an offering child. Um, so they think they're the biological child of the parents yeah. that they live with, where in fact they're not. Yeah. Um, and I know this, but they don't know it. And I would like to approach them, but it's yeah. a completely crazy thing to do. So this person actually asked me, like, do you, do you have any thoughts on like, like resources that, that could, could be helpful, et cetera. And I, I kind of offered to, connect them to other people that I, that I knew yeah. that that might be in a similar situation. They, they declined. They said that they wanted to like stay private, which is completely cool. I, 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 yeah. I, I get that. Um, but I guess I just want to make the point that there are some really fucked up shit that happens oh, yeah. with this, this whole offering child oh, yeah. paradigm yeah. basically. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's like, I think another layer of like, when I see that I'm recognized, you know, like I recognize that I am privileged is that yes. Like my parents, you know, like there were so many things that, 
made it so that I could get out, you know, and, and yeah. one of them being that I did, you know, I didn't have, I was friends with several, you know, like adopted kids, just regularly adopted kids, you know, okay. growing up and like, okay. and when you, when you learn about that, that's really, that's a lot, that's a lot yeah. to deal with. And yeah. when you learn that like your parents aren't at all biologically connected to you or like you've never met them, like that's, that's a lot to handle too. And so it's like, um, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a unique situation for me. Yeah. Um, God, there's a, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel for you and for anyone else in that situation. God damn. Um, okay. So I might, I might, I'm, I'll probably have more questions yeah. on that quite, yeah. quite, to be honest, but so you're, you're like eight, nine years old and your parents are like, we're going to move to Korea. So you're in yeah. West Virginia at that yeah. point, And then they're like, we're going to move to Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they like made the decision and we moved within probably three months. Okay. Wow. Um, and we, you know, like I, I remember being, I was nine years old at the time and um, I had just finished third grade and I was pissed. Mm. I like walked around with this, like one of these little American flags, like I marched around the house and I was <laughs> like, I'm not leaving. Like I'm an American. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think also, you know, growing up in like rural West Virginia being, you know, one of the very, very few Asian or half Asian, non-white. Yeah. Yeah, It's a very Caucasian part of the world. Non-white kids, you know, like I being American was something that I always wanted, you know, like that. I wanted to be American. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like all the other girls. Yeah. And, and so when they said, you know, we're moving to Korea, like we're getting rid of, you know, everything, we're moving out of the house. It was like everything that I had ever known and everything that I ever really ever wanted to be. It was like Mm. just getting stripped away. And I was like, so miffed. Mm. Um, so so we moved to korea you know like i i don't have any say in this obviously um and we move into this tiny two bedroom if you've ever been into the bedroom the apartment in gob in the boys hall hold on let's come back to gob i actually have another question sorry i'm going to keep going back and forth what did your dad do for the washington times do you know he was a graphic artist oh okay all right okay cool yeah he must have did you know the I've heard the name. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they have some kids that are like kind of my age and like somewhere between my age and your age, basically. Yeah, I think there's a bunch yeah. of them, but their dad worked in the graphic design department there. Okay. Um, uh, so they, was... they probably knew your dad, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so yeah. So he quit his job. He was a graphic artist for 20 years and wow. he just up and quit his job. Um, I think he, he mentioned he like wanted to, get more involved in the church you know like I guess he felt like he was he wasn't involved enough and so he wanted to so he took up this position as they took up this position as the dorm parents for the GOP program the general orientation program yeah and can we've kind of talked about this but can you kind of explain I'd love to hear someone else explain it so what is it so um it was basically like this boarding school um a lot of kids went just for one year and I'm pretty sure it was like their eighth grade or ninth grade. It was, it was, it was eighth grade. So I okay. did it. I did it for 94 to 95, which okay. is my eighth grade. Okay. Um, so yeah. So eighth graders would come there and like most of them would just do one year, but some would stay on for more than one year. Yeah. Um, and it was to get them to 
learn Korean. And the whole point was after they, I think after like the second year, then they would like start attending um, actual Korean school, like yeah. the Kyungbuk or not the kiln book that was the elementary but the schools right next to gob like yeah. there was these schools that were like across the soccer field yeah so yeah there. i remember yeah i remember that soccer field and mm-hmm, I, rem- I remember mm-hmm. i know the gob building and yeah i yeah. remember those those buildings so they were like church like yeah. not church run but church heavily affiliated yes. uh high school well i guess the high school was kind of like the top of it and then, yes. and then some some yeah. institutions below there basically so if I remember correctly, if you like came out of that one building that you go th- walk through to get to the soccer field, if you look straight ahead, that yeah. was the high school or the middle okay. school, I think, okay. in the high school, part of the high school. If you look right to your left, then that was the elementary school, Kelbuck okay. Elementary. And then walking through the second soccer field was where the high school okay. was it might have you know they might have changed locations in the 10 years between that's when I was true. there and you Probably were there because there's some yeah, something was... about this geography doesn't quite <laughs> ring true to me yeah um so but, i yeah go ahead fuck man yeah i mean it's a big deal to just move to a place like korea like at any <laughs> yeah, age yeah but, like, i mean yeah at not yeah. i mean mine is like a, a developmental stage you know big time like yeah huge yeah. developmental stage you know it's like right before puberty hits and like yeah um and so you know in like forming your your psyche really that's that's a huge deal um so my parents moved me there I went from like this really big nice house in West Virginia to like this tiny two-bedroom apartment um we were taking it over it was yeah so um, she was the her, her husband beat me for the record in yep. Korea. Just want to state yeah. that. I'll take yeah. the name out, but yes, her husband beat me in Korea and beat yeah. all of us, all those yeah. boys. Um, yeah. She was she was fucking nuts. Yeah. So my parents were t- was my parents were taking it over from her. Okay. She stayed for a few months, a couple months, I think. A, a couple okay. weeks to a couple months to like help my parents transition over. Okay. I remember the first thing this woman ever said to me was not word for word, but go change your shirt. Your shirt's too revealing. The fuck, man. I was nine Wait, years and you were old. Nine, yeah, you were nine and years she old. was sexualizing what I was wearing. Yeah, of course she was. And and I to this to, to up until this point, like I, you know, I was in West Virginia, relatively a normal kid. I, you know, I could wear my tank tops. I could wear like my shorts and like my, you know, like cute little whatever that girls wore at the time, you know? And like, I was so into like makeup and like hair and like things like that and painting my nails. And like, and so this was the first time really that anyone had ever said to me, like, what you're wearing is not appropriate. Go like change, like you can't wear that for a nine and, to a nine-year-old oh kid. yeah what yeah I I obviously did what I was told I was scared yeah. of a woman I think everyone yeah. was yeah um and I but I was like what the hell like mm. welcome <laughs> to Korea was, yes yeah exactly and so there was that there was um because the dorm parents apartment was which was fucking small did you ever see it did you ever walk in there so well no okay so I didn't it sounds like you guys like lived at the school yes okay so I was in a different place um so we were in 
Um, <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Um, uh, so, you know, the Moon Empire owns all these fucking businesses in Korea and other places. One of the businesses that they own is this soda company called, called Ilhua. Um, and they had about like an hour outside of Seoul. Um, oh, man, I could I could figure out the name, the name of the suburb. It, it might come to me later on. Gyeonggi-do, does that sound familiar? Does that, I think that's the name of the area. I don't know okay. if that's... Um, but anyway, like, like roughly an, outside, an hour outside of Seoul, um, there was like a, this, a few different buildings owned by Ilha where like they would like make soda and, and they had this like this office building. Um, <laughs> With their child labor. Where, yeah, well, I, actually, no, I, was, I didn't make soda when I was there, but it wouldn't have surprised me if I did. But um, basically they had this office building uh, and it was, it was in this kind of like gated compound and it was surrounded by all of these huge uh pallets that were like like above above my, the, the size of my head like yeah. a big taller than a person these pallets of soda um that were just like <laughs> and they were covered they were covered in tarps um so there was this four-story office building the first two yeah. stories were just like i guess church members working for ilha as well as like maybe some other non-church member koreans just working at this soda company on the first two floors yeah and then the top two floors were the dorm for the GOT program oh, as well. So um, we lived there and it was, it was us. There were, I guess there were like, I think there were 20 in my GOT year, roughly between 20 and 25, like oh, wow. 10 or 12 boys and 10 or 12 girls. Wow. Um, uh, and then, the, but then, the, then there was the like prep, which was the next year. Mm-hmm. There were maybe like 15 boys and 15 girls, something like that. Um. And then there were a few people that had gone from GOP into prep and then had gone into this Korean middle school, the school, the school that you're talking about. Um, yeah. But then, um, but those were only the Westerners. Uh, and then there were probably like, Japanese. there were Japanese and yeah. probably like one and a half to two times the number of kids yes. on the Japanese side, yes. I think. Yeah. And we had dorm parents. So my dorm parents when I was there were, and her husband's, um, but it's interesting what you said about them having that like overlap period of like a few weeks, because when the arrived, they had a year of overlap with the previous set of dorm parents. Uh, so we had we had a full year. My whole year, oh, um, we had both sets of dorm parents. Uh, maybe like maybe the first one left like a couple months before the end of the year or something. But that was like the plan. They were going to have a whole year of of crossover. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she was there for ten years, like roughly. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. She left and we arrived there in 2002, stayed till 2004, two years. Um, And so, yeah, so my parents had like, yeah, it was not more than a couple months. And that at that point it had ballooned to, I think like 60, 70 kids. Just in the GOP, just in the GOP Um, here or. I think all together. And you're saying, but these are just the Western kids. Yes, Not just the Western the that my kids. that my dad okay. had to take care of. Yeah, that my parents had to take care okay. of. So, so we moved into obviously we must have moved into these new dorms. Yeah, which, like okay. the first floor was for some assistants for like the director um, offices, and then the cafeteria, and then the second floor was where all the Westerners were. Okay. The third floor, some of the like prep students lived, and then the fourth, okay. and mostly Japanese though on the third floor, yeah. and then the fourth floor was all Japanese. Um, and how many? Do you remember how? I'm trying to compare this to my experience. Do you remember how many kids lived in each room? Oh gosh, four 
to six. Dude, we had like fucking, <laughs> we had like probably like 20 kids in each room. <laughs> it was like, there were these big rooms with the yeah. rate with the raised floors and it was, yeah. it was like a long uh like a long hallway or uh, like a long walkway with raised floors on either side um and you would um uh you were allocated like a little a space where basically the size of like a bed plus another bed on on yeah. like like on either side basically or sorry, sorry like, like the, the width of two beds basically um okay. so you could have a fold out a fold out bed yes. and you could yeah. just kind of like walk around it on this yeah, raised yeah. surface and you had some shelves and yeah. some closet that you could put stuff in mm-hmm. but that was it so there was a row I think there was like four I want to say four to five and then another four to five and that on either side of the room yeah um, so yeah we had probably like between 15 and 20 kids in this room and I'm actually I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about like you know, I was 13, 14 years old and I, I went through that whole fucking year having zero privacy to my <laughs> zero, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. it's crazy to think about yeah. kids, kids going through that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was going to ask if you had real beds or not. No, um, we, we didn't. We had it was all the raised floors and it was just this yeah, like mat yeah. that you could pull yeah, out. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so the dorm parents' room, like their apartment, yeah, was in the middle of the boys' hallway. Um, okay, and so because there was the boys' hallway and there was a girls' hallway, and uh, because I was a girl, I had to yell "sister" in the hall every time I had to go to and from my house, my home, yeah, to get out to like go to school to whatever. And to a nine-year-old, that, the amount of anxiety that that produced. Because, <laughs> like, I would yell that. And, like, the first couple of times, I was like, okay, fine, I guess I'll try it. And, like, I yelled that. And, of course, like, these kids are, like, what, 12, 13? And they're, mm-hmm. like, they start whooping and hollering and, like, I'm naked. And, like, you know, just, like, oh, making man. jokes and stuff. Yeah. And, like, obviously, I'm nine. I'm, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, like terrified yeah and um and these boys seem so much older and like I remember there was um there was this like fire stairway like fire escape stairway yeah um that was still indoors but it was sort of like a back stairwell that was one side of the boys hallway and then the other side of the boys hallway was like through the lobby area so like the more main entrance and so I remember like you know whenever I would come home from school um or come home from being out somewhere I would stand behind the double doors like in that hall like in that little like back stairwell area because I was terrified to go into that hallway like absolutely like terrified because I was so terrified and And my Oh, I just want to make sure people understand what's happening here. So what you're, what you're describing is your nine-year-old girl, you're living, your parents are, are dorm parents in this yeah. dorm and they happen to live on the same floor where all the boys are living. Um, and you need to announce your presence, leave your, to leave your house because if I understand it correctly, because a nine-year-old girl would be too sexually suggestive for I don't bro- know for the boys to view <laughs> I don't know I don't know like 
I have no, I guess, because there was such an emphasis on, like, the separation of sexes and, like, yeah, yeah, I, and my parents were never around because they were too busy taking care of, like, 70 kids. Yeah. Um, so I was on this alone and, um, and I remember, so when I first got there, my parents enrolled me in the Korean school, Kyungbuk, in the elementary okay. school. That Did you was, speak any Korean? No. <laughs> absolutely not okay <laughs> actually so like so, so imagine how that went <laughs> <laughs> this is this is hilarious my parents actually they got me four different tutors four separate times Whoa. to try to teach me like make me learn korean i refused every single time i would just <laughs> Good. act I love dumb it. I love it. i'd be like i don't know what that means i forgot i didn't do my homework <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so, but obviously the first two months, like, what am I going to learn in two months? So, like, my parents yeah. were like, oh, like, you know, like, she'll pick it up fast. Like, so they just enrolled me in Kyungbuk. I remember yeah. I had to get <clears throat> uniform, like, everything was uniform, down yeah. to the socks. Um, my parents, like, spent all this money on, like, all these uniforms. And I was pissed because I was like, I go from wearing whatever I want to, like, mm. a uniform now um and you have me in this godforsaken country like (laughs) so um so I would go into school and the only two and also I I still don't know if this was just in my imagination but like the the Korean schools the classrooms had like 50 kids in them from what I remember okay I don't remember I I don't even think Uh, I ever went to a Korean classroom when I was there so I, I, I can't comment so like so from what I remember there were so like so much more than any of the American classes that I had ever been in okay and because like what in a normal American classroom is like around 20 20 to 30 kids yeah I think they max out around 30 at least double wow like there were so many kids there and it was just loud and chaos and there was one teacher and she never spoke English. The only two people in the school that spoke English was the English teacher and the nurse. Wow. And so I didn't have any really way to communicate with anyone. There were a couple of kids in the classroom who, you know, their parents were, had enrolled them in English classes since, you know, birth or whatever. So okay. they spoke pretty good English. So I yeah. could communicate through them. But most of the time, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I would come home like crying every day. And, okay. and, towards the end of the two months i was like not having it so i would just get up and leave like you just I left the school get up and leave the school i'm nine years old i would get up and leave i would just and like where'd you go i would just like walk around the parks like walk around the field like what the fuck <laughs> just jesus walk around Christ. the streets yeah. the alleys because i was just like i don't want to deal with this yeah <laughs> so so then one day uh, something happened I got really upset I like left crying I ran all the way home my dad happened to be like walking on the street crossing the road between like the dorm buildings and the school buildings where he because he also taught so my dad was the dorm parent and he had to teach um algebra or whatever um so he sees me like running home and he's like, what are you doing outside of school? And I'm just like, I'm not going back there. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> and so, so then, so then he's like, okay, okay, fine. Like, he's like, okay, we'll enroll you in. Um, he like made some deal with the director, Reverend. 
Um, I don't remember that name. But, there were two yeah, like okay. a Japanese who like ran the Japanese program, and then there okay. was another guy named Reverend, and he was like this like big dude, like bit like he was over six foot, like big dude. Um, and he was very clearly a Korean leader. Um, and so he ran the whole thing for the Western side. Didn't speak any English. I remember okay. the thing he liked to do was go out and have these meetings at these restaurants and like I would come like maybe a third of the time but my dad was taken literally every other day like that's what they would do they would go out to restaurants and eat and spend their money on (laughs) these elaborate meals to have meetings quote unquote or like nothing really ever got done (laughs) you know it's funny it's hilarious I like I mean if you think about so the unification church is fucking it's whole i mean it's 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 an awful institution right it's definitely like a cult like you know you know yeah. so abusive but there's something hilarious about like this like i don't know like you know middle-aged like middle middle management in like in in some bureaucratic organization who's just like i'm just gonna have all my meal all my all my business meetings are gonna be over lunch yeah like i could like that is comical to me in any context and but it's weird that it's part of this fucking abusive cult oh my gosh and like um (laughs) you know okay funny side story about my dad he mentioned how like back when he was doing the whole like mft thing you know like how Mm, our parents had to go and like fundraise and stuff so apparently at one point i think he was like team captain he would just like go hustle real hard for like the first couple of hours and then go to a diner and just (laughs) hang out at the diner and eat i think a lot of people did that to be honest (laughs) so so anyway so like he has a little bit of a rebel streak in him which i think you know saved him in the end but um so he would go to these meetings with this like reverend lee and so like he convinced reverend lee to pay for my schooling for a year at the local um it was called korea kent foreign school it was a it was where the diplomats sent their kids okay it was an american private school yeah and it had like all of these like if you're really really rich or if you are a diplomat and you want your kids to get like you know got it whatever american education okay so I was, so the class size went from like 60 to like six. Mm. Um, <laughs> wow. It's a big so, difference. Yeah. So I had luckily, like I had a good year there, you know, like work being in that private school. Um, the, the second year. So sorry. I'm like looking over at my notes to mm. make sure that I didn't miss anything. But um, so the second year though, he sort of, refuse to pay continue paying for the school because it was a private school and so my dad's like well, what am I going to do and so I um the first year we lived in the dorm the second year he started renting this apartment that was like maybe like a five minute walk from the dorms okay. um and it was from another church family I had been living in Korea and so it was a two bedroom three room three bedroom apartment actually and so we rented it from them and so we moved there and um 
So at that and point, he's your parents are the dorm parents, but they're not yes, living in the dorm. They're not living in the dorm. So my dad, one of the things were there any he, other like caretakers in the yes. dorm at that point? So the first year there wasn't, and I think one of the things that he wanted to you know get done in these meetings, which he did accomplish, was getting more staff to help because he okay. was like, I can't handle this by myself. You know, like okay. I need somebody, and I think they got like you know, probably some like second gen kids that were a little older, maybe yeah. like seventeen maybe oh, i don't even think Jesus so Christ. like so, yeah they got other kids to like basically be the staff the kids um, become the parents yeah. classic so so he was no longer staying overnight um wow and so we moved into the apartment and he was he decided to enroll me in this distance learning program it's sort of like it's called laurel springs it's based out of california and so it's sort of what like a lot of like Hollywood kids use because they have to be on set all the time. And okay. um, sorry. Sorry. All right. Sorry about that. Um, right. So, so um, it was basically like homeschooling on your own, but you would okay. send your work materials back to somebody who would grade them okay. and then give you an official looking report card. Okay. So technically you weren't homeschooling, but right. in reality you were. So I homeschooled myself for the second year because my parents are out all the time. And that's for like the equivalent of fourth grade. Yes. Oh. Yes. Basically like fourth. No, it was fifth grade. Sorry. Yeah, it was fifth grade. So I I have to say that's you're not the only person I've heard that story from. Yeah. Like no, just, you know, okay. parents go do whatever mission, whatever country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually know people who went to, who went to other countries and they were promised they were promised that when they went there their kids would would be would be going to like the mm-hmm. equivalent of like you know the mm-hmm. the american school in that country mm-hmm. or whatever they were promised that and then when they went to, when they went to this to to these countries lo and behold oops that uh, something didn't happen and all of a sudden the money wasn't there yeah. for their kids to go to these schools and then they got they got the the, the homeschool treatment which yep, was like yep. fucking cd roms and shit yes yes um, exactly yeah uh, and i remember one of them had fucking it was, it was like it was like a christian school uh and part of like the history history class was like talking about how like uh like where noah's how like oh my god noah's ark is still oh like findable god. or something like that or like like this is the mountain that noah's ark was was launched from or whatever yeah, like yeah. that's what they're learning in fucking history class yeah. or science or something like just fucking crazy and like and you know i was lucky in that my dad understood that like an education is important and yeah. that like i you know need to so it wasn't like oh like let me just get whatever cd-roms like at least it was through you know an appropriate um distance learning program yeah it sounds like it was more legit than some of yes yes you know like i probably shouldn't have been teaching myself but um luckily i was able to do it on my own um and so i didn't so yeah i basically spent that entire second year just sitting in my room by myself um I like hallmark clinical depression you know you don't sit in a room never leave the house by yourself like for almost a year straight and not have depression out of it you know and um and my parents are you know still gone all day I (laughs) the the apartment was infested with cockroaches as was the rest of Korea but the apartment apartment in particular was infested with it was it was nasty and like 
and my parents weren't really home to clean it like they weren't like my mom they just like always out like yeah they, they were always at the dorm and it was like there wasn't even really food in the house so wow. like I remember like being like opening up cabinets being like where like there is no like looking around being like there is no food mm. like absolutely no food and so I would have to go occasion you know like go over to the dorm to get food or my parents would like save some and bring it back later in the yeah. day or something like that um or have ramen or whatever yeah. um by myself or go to the kage um down the street yeah. and kage kage means like convenience store yeah basically. yeah yeah um and so so yeah so for that second year that's what i was doing um i had one friend basically throughout these two years okay um, mostly because it's like you know like i try i really wanted to like be friends with like the girls and the the first year and the second year as well but it's sort of like I was what like nine at the time and yeah. these are like 12 13 year old kids like who wants to really yeah. hang out with a nine-year-old and it's like I don't blame them you know mm. um, yeah we had that I mean when I was there um yeah so um the has had a kid actually he was an offering child too um yep. yeah uh, and he he was young he was like maybe four or five when mm-hmm. when I was there so he's this little kid like doesn't you know this like little white kid in Korea he's like not even going not going to school there not really making any like local friends but he's surrounded by all these kids that are like you know 13 to 16 and we like we were mean to him I have to say like we we were we were mean to him um um but it's also like it's just a really fucked up situation it's just it's just stupid to like put a kid in that situation i think to be like like you know you don't have any any proper social socialization at all but the only thing is like a bunch of older kids who really aren't gonna they don't have your best interests at heart they they barely have their own best interests at heart at that age yeah um and they certainly aren't thinking about anyone else um so yeah it just it was just honestly it's a recipe for for chaos for that kid i feel i feel i think he he was picked on a lot when when i was over there Did you, were you the person who wrote that story about what you saw with that yeah. kid? Like, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it now. I think it'd be good to put it out yeah. there on yeah. the record. Um, so this yeah. kid, um, again, offering child of the, the dorm parents. Um, and I, 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 I want to say this, and I, I hope people are getting the picture based on what you've said. Like, we, this whole, so the GOP program in Korea is basically an indoctrination program so so yeah you're learning korean you're learning you know the words of reverend moon and all this stuff but there's a a heavy like kind of spiritual growth component as well but yeah so you're basically being indoctrinated you're taken away from your families you live there for a year you're indoctrinated um and the amount of just sheer neglect is horrendous i mean just think about what you said like like your parents being like one set of dorm parents for like 70 kids um that's fucking crazy and it was like it was like half that number when when i was there probably but um still it's still there's 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 no way that that's a good like a, a good place to to raise kids basically but anyway yeah i bring that up because what i saw what, what happened with this kid um uh, his name his name is again we can we can take it out later but um so he was four or five years old. I was in a dorm with, you know, all us Western kids, but also all these Japanese kids. And there, there are these two Japanese teenagers. 
Um, and I don't know what exactly happened, but um, they were, I don't know, they were just fucking with this, this four-year-old kid, basically. Um, and they took him, and again, no parents around at this, this stage. Um, they grabbed him, um, and they took him out. So I told you we, we, we were on the, um, the top two floors of this office building, uh, and it had these, these staircases uh, yep. on the outside of the building. Yep. Um, so, ours. Okay. Um, so yeah, to get to the fourth floor, you had to walk up these staircases. Anyway, um, they take this five-year-old kid. These two, these two Japanese teenagers are like 13, 14 years, years old. They grab this five-year-old kid. Um, they pick him up. Um, they take him to the balcony of the, like, uh, like take him to like the side of this fourth floor, um, stairway. Um, and they hold this kid, they, they turn him upside down. They hold him by his ankles and they, they stick their arms out and they hold him, hold him up over just over this, you know, yawning gap of four stories down to the, to the ground. Um, and this poor kid is fucking screaming. I mean, can you, like, he's, he's screaming his head off. He's crying. Um, and, you know, begging them to let him, to bring him back in and not, you know, risk dropping him. I mean, he fucking, he definitely would have died if they fucking dropped him. Um, you know, four, yeah, four stories right onto his head basically is what would have happened. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, they were kind of laughing at him. Um, and then eventually they, you know, thank God they, they pulled him back in and he like ran away screaming. I don't even know where, where if his parents were even in the fucking building at that point. Like, who did yeah. he have to, where did he go? I feel so bad for this kid. Like that's a horrible thing to, to happen to anyone. I mean, um, well, where did he go? Who, who yeah. comforted him then? Man, this poor fucking kid. Um, it's just it's, it's horrible so I, I i mean i feel bad for that guy i, I really do um I, yeah. I think he i think he he really had a bad bad yeah. experience there and and you know it's been shown how like trauma that you experience you know sort of sets you up um to just put yourself in or not put yourself because i don't want to like you know blame the victim here but it's sort of like makes these pathways in your brain so that you're less you are more likely to to end up in situations mm. in which you are vulnerable again, yeah. you know, again and again. And so you sort of end up re-traumatizing yourself. Yeah. And so it's like a lot of these early experiences that we have, you know, like that is the basis for continuing to manipulate us, continuing yeah. to like keep us in this group because that is sort of like it builds on itself, you know? Yeah. Um, And actually that, that jogged my memory of how think it was the first year um this kid he ran into these glass doors that were in you know that made up like our building and like the the teachers built like the building where they went to school and like I remember him like him and like a whole bunch of kids like running in because like my parents were eating lunch and I was with them at the time in the cafeteria and he's just dripping blood everywhere because he smashed his hand through the glass because no one was watching them yeah like there was these 13 year old kids just running around no one's watching them he goes and smashes his hand through the glass and like he has to go get stitches you know like that kind of shit happened yeah um a lot and um yeah so so like i said i i had like this one friend who was um the daughter of like a a couple who lived in the area and and she's out now too, you know, like I, I okay, good. with her. Um, 
and her parents had moved her from like us to israel and then to korea and so she she spoke korean fluently and she was sort of my she was the same age as me and so she was really the only person that like i had throughout Mm -hmm. that two years because it was like um otherwise it was i was just sort of like being shunned half the time you know when i was at at gop or around the gop kids um and i remember the the second year we must have been like 10 11 we were sitting in in the little playground outside the soccer field um and she we were talking about how like um she was saying her brother who was much older i think he was like 16 17 at that time he was getting much more into the church and like much more extremist and like and fundamentalist and like his thinking and like a lot of what he was like saying to her and she was like it's kind of scaring me Hmm. it's 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 kind of seeming extreme at this point and then she turns to me and she goes i'm paraphrasing but she goes do you do you ever question or do you ever like do you ever wonder if like maybe moon isn't actually the messiah like wow maybe this is all just a joke and like Wait, how old how old was she and how old were we you? were 10 and 11 we, wow, were, we were probably around that age amazing. and she was like wow. do you ever wonder like like what if this is just like a like what if it comes out in like you know 10 years that it was all just a big joke and like he's wow. like haha i fooled you like do you ever wonder or think about that and i was like yeah pretty much <laughs> all the time mm. <laughs> like pretty much all the time and so i think by then it had pretty much oh oh there was there was another incident um my first year that i was in gob i remember i had a crush i was like no oh, no oh no how could oh, you oh, oh no right oh, yeah no. so i had a crush on one of the boys um and i remember i think i must have told one of the girls and oh man don't tell him that shit you know, it's know. Go- you know it's gonna come fuck oh with you. one oh, of the dude. girls must have told on me man fuck that bitch fuck that <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ man i know who it was too. you know who it was i think i know who I it didn't. was <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway so like she told my dad and i remember i was just sitting in this tiny little apartment like probably like hating my life as a nine-year-old <laughs> and like I remember my dad storming in in the middle of the day and he was so pissed that he was like he was just yelling at me for like and I was sitting there like just like you know obviously like ashamed and like guilty and like all these other feelings that like a nine-year-old should not be feeling for for proper healthy mental development yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) And, and, but one of those feelings was, I'm sorry, you dragged me to this country and you made me lose all my friends. And now you're yelling at me for some, you're telling me that I can't even think things Mm. to my, like my thoughts can't even be my own. I can't have anything nice. I was pissed. I was pissed. And I was like, how dare you try to and and the first thing that crossed my mind when that happened was i'm gonna have to marry someone that i don't get to choose Mm. that i'm gonna have to have this arranged marriage that 
I don't say yes to. And that terrified me. Mm. Like that absolutely as a nine year old terrified me. Yeah. Um and I mean I'm not gonna say it's like unique because you know, child marriage is rampant around the world and mm. it's like but this is this is not okay, you know, like mm. from to to know that like a nine year old thinking that would be terrified. Mm. Um it's it just goes to show like how much of a violation of of human rights Mm. like this church was you know um yeah so so that second year i was i was angry i was i was an angry kid i i from probably nine onwards i was very angry okay um and so after that so that second year I was in, I made a couple friends with the girls in GOP. One of them, um, she had a severe mental health problem. Um, she, she was cutting. Well, um, yeah, she, was I know cutting. they are not equipped to deal with that in, in, no. the, in the GOP program. No. <laughs> I mean, even seasoned psychologists I mean, have a hard time dealing with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, but these people have no qualifications to yes, be doing this, yes, right? Yes, yeah. this is this is severe self-harming behavior. Yeah. This is like, so she, she was one of the younger ones. So she must have been maybe like, uh, I don't know, 12. I was like 10, 11 at that point. Okay. Um, okay. And she was like, and I was hanging out with her a lot. Cause she was like one of the younger ones. And so one of the girls who like, you know, was nice to me. And, um, and so I've started picking this up because like, what else is a 10 year old going to do? Like hanging out with a kid who's like cutting themselves all the time. And so, and like, it was known, my parents knew everyone sort of knew that she did this, that she would like carve things into her arm and like cut herself all the time. And it's like, um, they they tell her parents. Did- yes so so they did tell her parents they didn't know what to do at first but they did eventually tell her parents and i think her parents were like well gop will be good for her like Fuck, her parents were like trying to you know like like stall and like keep her there and yeah. eventually she got sent to champion i never saw oh. her again never heard from her again i don't know what happened um no yeah yeah so, so she, she went and just so people like Chung Pyong is the place we were talking about earlier where they try and yeah. treat illnesses by beating yeah. people. So this and, girl who was cutting herself was sent there. Yeah. And, Holy and, you know, shit. we had, we had gone to Chung Pyong several, you know, like tons of times already yeah. prior to this, prior to when she got sent there on her own. Yeah. Um, and she, she was the person who I, I saw knock her own tooth out um from from the ansu sessions i saw not just Wait. her but several other people beating each other bloody i saw there was a lot of shit that i saw she hit herself so hard that she knocked yes, her own tooth yes, out yes yes she knocked her own tooth out she was like hitting people so hard that her palms were bloody their backs were bloody Oh like people God. and this was this was not seen as anything like oh hey maybe you should slow down it was like an oh yes good job it was encouraged right it's it like, was oh you're getting it you're getting it was, your, it was yeah. encouraged and and i mean you know like being now in the field that i am having studied psychology having studied mental health it's like this is 
the most toxic of environments to put somebody who is going through their own issues into. Um, and it just yeah, is not I mean, it, you know? God, that's um, fucking horrible. Jesus Christ. You put someone who's suffering, already suffering through that into, into that environment? Man, fuck these guys so fucking hard. Man, I hope yeah. someone listens to this and shuts that motherfucking place down. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how we get this shit shut yeah. down, but I, talking about yeah. it certainly can't hurt. So I'm yes. glad yeah. that we're having this conversation. Um, um, another girl, she, the second year, she also um, got sent there. And her reason, she, um, there was obviously I was like 10 so like you know this isn't as clear but she had there was some sort of rumor or something that she like went and saw a guy I was unclear if this was like a guy friend of the family or like just somebody that she met like I don't know how she knew this guy but she had because you know like kids could go on the train themselves like there yeah was no I remember supervision. that we would just leave yeah. we would just yeah, leave, you could go just all leave. the way across Seoul yeah. I was 13 mm-hmm. years old on the, on the yes. subway going across Seoul yeah and I would just come so, back in the evening yeah one exactly. time i came back i act like super late they're like where the fuck is this kid they started like calling the cops and stuff and then yeah. i just appeared at 11 p.m and they were super mad at me so i was like well sorry you know i was out <laughs> that's what you get that's yeah, what like you... sorry you know like, whatever I, I was what else nine. was i meant to do yeah like i was nine going on the subway myself or like Jesus walking around Christ. the city so like Jesus. so anyway so she went and visited this guy i don't know how somebody found out but somebody told somebody and then like this rumor spread and my parents found out about it so she like essentially like had to get kicked out of god mm. because she like went to she see went. this i don't okay. know what happened okay. i don't know but so in the few days that it took between like everyone and my parents finding out she did this to um to like being able to contact her parents and like form a plan of like okay what should we do like should we send her to you guys do you want us to send yeah. her to champion like um she got pulled out of the dorms and was staying with me oh okay apartment. okay yeah so she was staying in my room with me um and because like my my parent my mom was like well i don't know where else to put her you know Mm. she has to be like separated from the rest of the girls um and so she was with me and like you know during that couple day period like she she would play with me you know like she would play with like Mm. me and like my dolls or like whatever and like she was so nice to me and so like we sort of like formed this um like this friendship and and so at one point I remember over this few day period I was like hey like you know like what happened you know like why like I I mean I hear my parents because obviously like you know these apartments are so small I hear everything I hear everything that my parents are the walls are really thin yes in most buildings in Korea yeah and I'm like, why, why did you get like kicked out? Basically, like, what is, what's like, what, why is this such a big deal? And she, the amount of mental distress that this girl was in, like it, like she needed to be in some sort, like see, like acute care. Mm. Like she needed acute Whoa. care. Okay. And like she was just she couldn't even talk she would just start crying wow and i was she was a few years older than me i was 10 still 10 or 11 um but i was like you know what like this girl's nice like Mm -hmm. she's she's like one of the few people out of like what 
tens and tens of people who would play with me and who yeah. like actually took the time to like get to know me and like yeah. you know it didn't matter that I was younger than her and this is like she doesn't deserve to be like ostracized mm. this way and like treated like this yeah. and like so much to the point that she was like telling me things like she didn't want to exist anymore oh. and she like locked herself in like one of our three rooms at one point in the apartment because she just like couldn't handle like talking to anyone or being around anyone and just like needed to be alone and like and and she also got sent to Trump Young and I don't I don't know what ever happened to her yeah Jesus man fuck and um there was there was a sexual assault at one point Whoa. And, Whoa, Jesus yes. Christ well, wow, from I, one of I the boys, one of the boys living in there. Um, you know, oh. we never totally found out. Okay, hold on. I need to get another drink. Yeah, um, <laughs> you need another me, drink. For give this, me yeah. a sec. Just bring the whole cheese over. Our little drink scouting expedition ended up taking about ten minutes. And including a couple shots, I decided not to leave all that on tape and figured that would be a good place to park the conversation for now. I hope you will stick around for part two with Rika. She does talk in detail about the sexual assault that she briefly mentioned at the end of this interview. She talks about moving back to the U.S. and going back to another hub of Mooney activity in the U.S. She talks about leaving at a young age. And she talks about the mental health repercussions of everything you've just heard on her later teenage years. Anxiety, depression, panic attacks. Rika lays it all out in part two. And it's a very frank conversation. Super happy that she came on the show and went on the record talking about this because it's a difficult conversation to have. But I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to from all walks of life thank you for listening i hope you'll tune in to the next episode thank you rika for getting involved we will post rika's contact details in the show notes thank you to donna cervelli for helping with some of the back-end production of this thank you to likey luco for the portrait and thank you to teddy hose for the graphic design talk soon